0: weekly live stream we do these live streams every tuesday at 11 a.m eastern and they're always based on the feedback that agents give me both in the facebook group face-to-face in person and on some weekly coaching sessions so invariably um, almost every single week i get asked how do you find great deals there is no doubt that there is only two ways to find great deals in this world. The first one is to be able to spend money. And I, when, when I tell people how much it costs us to get a deal, most of the time they end up deciding that they don't want to commit to a monthly marketing budget. So on average right now, and as of, you know, this recording, August, 2023, it costs us, on average, about $15,000 in marketing dollars in order to get a deal, and by doing things like pay-per-click, things like that. So, for most people that can't commit to a three or a four or a $5,000 a month marketing budget, we end up invariably talking about how to get deals without spending a bunch of money, which, you know, is is how most people get started. Most people don't get started having a huge marketing budget. And even if you could have a big marketing budget, in a lot of cases out of the gate, it usually doesn't make sense because even just having a big marketing budget doesn't guarantee that you're going to get a deal. Okay. So today's focus is going to be, how do you find deals if you don't have a bunch of money? And for most people, you know, when we talk about finding a deal, you want to make sure that you're identifying what exactly is the avatar of the deal that you want. And I ask people this on coaching calls and privately all the time. If you can't answer that question, it's going to be very difficult for you to actually take your next step, but you want to be able to know like literally how big is the house you're going to buy? What city is it located? How many beds, how many baths, what's the value of it? And then start going specifically after that type of deal okay so let's assume that you do know at this point exactly what that deal looks like is that's not going to be the topic today today we're going to talk about how do you actually find those deals without having a marketing budget and how do you do it consistently so that you hit your goals and so today i'm going to talk about the 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 ways to find deals without spending a bunch of money that are most common And this is going to cover pretty much how 99% of people defined deals, find them. But before I do that, I just do want to talk really quickly about the multiple listing service and about why I always preach that deals need to be off market. I've been talking about this for over 10 years. And no matter what, no matter what I say, there's always going to be somebody each and every week that talks about Getting deals on the multiple listing service. And I want to be very clear with what my position is before anybody really takes action on this. So the reason I don't like the multiple listing service isn't because it's actually 100% impossible to get a deal on the MLS. It's that it is hard to be consistently good at getting deals. There's a difference between getting a deal once in a while versus consistently getting deals on a week-to-week basis. And my company, on average, we buy two to three properties per week. I know what I need to do to get off-market deals, to get seller appointments, to then generate off-market deals each and every week. If I were to go and try to get properties on the MLS, my numbers would be very, very inconsistent. Um, So, The reason I don't like the MLS is because it's very, very hard. And then by definition, you're competing with just a much larger segment of people. Because once that button is clicked, once it hits the MLS, once the thing syndicates to every website that's out there, anybody who's anybody could look at a property and putting offering on it. Whereas if the property is off market, the amount of people that are actually going to meet with that seller, talk to that seller, is probably literally one percent or less of the amount of people who are going to look at a deal once it hits the multiple listing service. The amount of competition that you have go way up. And again, you know, to be you know a successful business person, where are you better competing? Are you better competing for a listing or a buyer consult? when you have 30 or 40 people also competing against you, or are you better off competing with when you have maybe one or potentially even zero people to compete against? And I think the answer is very clear. I just wanted to say that little piece about the multiple listing service only because I do get people when I say you can't get deals on the MLS, somebody will reach out to me once a month and say, hey, Tom, look, you're wrong. I did get a deal on the MLS, and I'll always say you could maybe sometimes sporadically get a deal on the MLS, but I don't like to build my business on maybe sometimes sporadically uh, I'm gonna make money. So, again, that's the reason why I'm a big advocate of getting deals off of the multiple listing service and going direct to seller. So, today I'm gonna talk about the ways that you can do that in 2023. Uh, I'm going to talk about you know the pros and cons because even when you get a deal off market, there are pros and cons to getting deals off market. And of course, um, starting out, I'm going to talk about one way to get a deal off market, which is auctions. So I'm going to talk about the pros, the cons, and each way of getting these deals off market. When a seller is not paying their mortgage, they get behind on their mortgage. At some point, if the seller doesn't get caught up, if they don't do a loan modification if they don't sell their property, that property, that the bank's only repercussion or that lender, only repercussion is to auction the property. And most of the times, these auctions, they're held publicly. And in my state, in Massachusetts, they're always held at the actual property. So there's a bunch of different websites that you can go on, like Town Auction, as an example, Commonwealth Auction, as an example. There are a ton of auction websites and so what ends up happening is there's going to be an auction date and i'm going to tell you about some of the pros some of the cons about auctions so the first thing is at auction properties you're not allowed to get in before you actually make a bid on the house yes that's right you can't actually see the inside of the property that you're buying before you make a bid so you have to do all of your homework ahead of time And it's going to tell you on the website, Hey, the auction is Tuesday at 10 o'clock. You're going to show up to that auction and you're also going to have to be willing to give a non refundable deposit. Okay. They're typically $5,000 in mass New Hampshire, Rhode Island. They can be sometimes $10,000. They can sometimes be more than that. But just know that if you come and you bring that check and you bid on that property, If you do not follow through, if you do not end up buying that property and you win that bid, you're going to lose that deposit. So some of the cons about auctions. First and foremost, they are public, meaning that anybody in the world can go on these websites, know when a property is going to be auctioned, and they can show up. So it's not uncommon if you show up to an auction that you might see 5 or 10 or 15 or 20 people depending on how popular the auction is. And again, why are we trying to get deals off market? We're trying to limit our competition. Having said that, even though if you look around and you see five or 10 or 15 or 20 people, that's still way less people that are gonna be out bidding on a home if it was on the multiple listing service. So you're gonna show up, you're gonna be standing there, you're gonna be bidding and competing against five or 10 or 15 or 20 people. Another negative of auctions is that they may be occupied. So depending on what state you live in, that could potentially be either a small problem or a huge problem. In Massachusetts, it's typically a pretty big problem if you're buying a property and somebody's living in it, especially if it's a single family. So you may end up winning the bid and having to buy a home with the old owner in it, and then you may have to end up evicting that old owner or that tenant so another negative of auctions is that probably two-thirds of them end up opening at a bid that's higher than what an investor would want to pay so let's just say for example you go to an auction with a property that would be worth five hundred thousand dollars all fixed up and let's say that you're going to go there you're going to bid 350. two-thirds of the time it's gonna open up at a bid at maybe 400 or 450 or maybe even 500. So when that happens, you've done your homework, you've done your research, you've driven out to the property, you're ready to make a bid and you just lose that time because it's not even a property that's gonna end up getting sold. So why does that happen? Well, it can happen for many reasons, but there are some banks that basically are willing to take these properties back and then just sell them directly on the multiple listing service, okay? Another negative about auctions is that in a lot of cases, they don't close on time. Now, you're gonna sign a contract when you actually win that bid, that's basically gonna say, hey, you need to close on this property in a month, in 30 days. But the bank may not be ready, the title may not be ready, there could be issues with the title. That could go on for three months, or six months, or nine months, or 12 months. And you have to be ready, willing, and able when the bank is ready to sell it. So you may have to close quickly, or you may have to actually take a long time to close. I think the biggest positive about attending and bidding on an auction is it's over right then and there. You know right then and there, you either got the property or you didn't. There's no sales process involved. In fact, there's no sales techniques involved. You don't need to learn how to you know build rapport. You don't need to learn how to negotiate with a seller. You're just out there, you're bidding, you either win or you lose. The other good thing about auctions is that they're, you know, even in this market, they're fairly plentiful. You could easily spend 20 or 30 or 40 hours a week at auctions bidding each and every day. Now, you may need to go to 20 or 30 or 40 per week in order to get a deal they're going to be plentiful they're always available you know they're always around one other negative before i switch into another form of getting off market deals related to auctions that's kind of a little bit of a negative is that you're not going to have necessarily a choice all the time about where you can buy those properties so you may you know want to buy a property in allenstown as an example There may be no auctions in Allentown even in the next 90 days. So depending on where you want to buy, depending on where you're geographically located, you tend with auctions to need to be a little bit more geographically flexible on the properties that you buy. By the way, if there are any questions about auctions at all, the next one up that I'm going to talk about the pros, the cons, et cetera, are agent relationships. And most of the people that are on here are agents. And I've done multiple training sessions on getting deals from other agents. I think it's actually one of the best ways, the best methods in order to get deals. Let's talk about some of the cons about getting deals from agents. First and foremost, you're going to have to talk to a lot of agents to even get some deals sent to you. You guys know I've got a pretty big reach. No, I'm not. Um, you know, Grant Cardone, but I've got a pretty good agent reach. I've got 365 agents in my office. I do training sessions. I've got, you know, a Facebook group with 11,000 agents in it. And even me with all of that reach still have to work hard to generate off market deal flow from agents on a week to week basis. Agents in general don't come across off-market deals on a weekly basis. So you need a large group of agents that you are pretty much in front of, you know, quite a bit, and you need to make sure that they remember you. So everybody here has been taught and trained on how to work their sphere of influence, how to make sure you're top of mind with your sphere of influence. It's really no different with working agent relationships. When an agent comes across a house that needs work or a seller that would like to trade money for convenience, you have to be the first person that they think about. What happens when you buy a property from auction, which is occupied and you can't get access to do it before a smoke inspection? Great question. You may need to buy that property cash. So in, in order to get a smoke inspection, typically it's required if you're going to finance that deal, but it's not required if you're going to buy the property cash. So again, you're bringing up another potential negative of auctions. If you guys kind of haven't gotten the hint yet, I don't love auctions in, in general as a deal finding you know, platform. I think they can be okay, but I think they have more negatives than positives. But getting back to agent relationships, another negative is just that they take time. So if you decided today, hey, I'm going to build out, you know, a huge list of agents that know me and like me and trust me and know that I'm an investor, know that I'm willing to offer them a great potential deal. It's going to take time because, again, getting back to my my point that I made a couple minutes ago, agents don't come across great deals all the time. Agents do come across great deals consistently. Over a long period of time, like if you talk to most agents and you say, hey, how many great, you know, investment opportunities have you come across in your career? They're going to say five or 10 or 20. But how many this year? Well, it could be zero. It could be one. It could be, you know, five. It could be zero in the last two years. What I do like about agent relationships in general, in general, what I like is that you're going to usually be the only investor in there in general. Some of my best deals that I've ever bought have been agent referrals. And typically it's because of the trust factor. So you're gonna have an agent that you know that's gonna go out and it's gonna meet with a seller. The seller is going to express interest in selling their house either quickly or easily or not doing any repairs or maybe they don't want people in their home. And that agent is gonna make a warm referral to you as the investor to come come in and make a fair offer. And a lot of times what i found with agent relationships in general, as long as you're making a fair offer, it tends to not be as much of a bidding process. Another thing that I like about agent relationship referrals is that you can kind of build your network around where you want to get off market deals. So of course, like if you were gonna go into the MLS and say you wanted to buy properties specifically in Reading, Massachusetts, as an example. You could look and you could say, give me a list of every single agent that listed a home, two homes in Reading. And you might pop up a list of a hundred agents. And if you use that list, you would probably find most of the deals that flowed through those agents in the past couple of years. And, and most successful agents. are are selling year after year after year in the same towns, because that's maybe where they grew up or where they live. So if you're looking, you can be a little bit more geographically focused with agent relationships. Somebody said it's actually required, uh, the smoke required on all sales in mass, but with cash sale can close without. Yes, exactly. So you can close without it, and you may have to close without it in Massachusetts um, if you win at auction. It's, you know, a matter of, uh, you know, time, effort, energy, and it is definitely one of the best ways to do it. And I taught a class either last week or the week before on how to do it. And I want to continue on. If anybody has any questions on the agent relationship piece, type into the chat box. The last thing I want to say about the agent relationship piece that's so important is the agents have to have a reason to send you the deal. So you probably all know about our agent partnership program that we have. So with my company, I make it really attractive for an agent to send me a deal. And the way that it works for us, not saying that you have to copy us, but you could you know, potentially do it like us if you wanted to. The way that we do it is if an agent sends us a deal, we will buy the property, put up our money, do the renovation. And then split the profit. So when an agent finds an off-market deal that we could potentially flip, they will make half of whatever we make, which on average is $60,000. So in terms of people remembering you, it has to be something to me that stands out. Almost everybody in the world, almost every investor in the world will give a listing back to an agent or say, hey, I'm not going to co-broke it up front, which... Can sometimes be enough to get that deal. But for me, I wanted to make it so attractive that I would never be forgotten. Let's talk next about prospecting. So, when people think about finding off market deals, most of the time what they think about is prospecting. And I'm defining prospecting as either cold calling or door knocking or cold texting. And when I think about prospecting, I think about the fact that um, you can go directly after the specific type of property that you want. And that is probably the number one benefit that you have with prospecting. Meaning, for example, if you want to go after two families and you cold call or cold text or, or door knock, you can guarantee that any lead you're going to get is going to be a two family in Woburn. Now compare that to auctions or compare that to agent relationships. You have not a lot of control over targeting the exact type of property that you want. The other great thing about prospecting in general, whether it's cold calling, cold texting or door knocking, is that you're the one that's on the offensive. Meaning you can have a goal every single week to make X amount of calls, send X amount of text messages, knock X amount of doors, and there's a formula that you can literally calculate out to say, hey, if I knock on X amount of doors, I'm going to get Y amount of appointments, and then I'm going to get Z amount of deals. Compare it to auctions, and you say, oh, I want a two-family in Woburn, Massachusetts. Well, there may be no auctions this week for that. Or compare it to agent relationships. You may never even you may never get a lead that week from an agent relationship. Okay. So let's talk quickly about prospecting. I'm going to say this, and you guys know if you follow me, I'm as honest with people as I possibly can be. Prospecting is done by few and far between agents and investors. Few and far between people will actually consistently cold call or cold text or door knock. I give massive credit to the people who do, it's very difficult. It takes discipline, daily discipline. I think it's phenomenal when people do it. But one question I would always ask anybody that's thinking about doing it is, will you do it five days a week for two or three hours a day? Not like, will you do it once in a while? Will I do it once a month? Will I treat it like a gym membership where I show up in January and then I'm already out by January 15th? Like, no, it can't be that. Don't even attempt to do it. Don't attempt to cold call. Don't attempt to door knock. Don't attempt to cold text message unless you're going to do it five days a week, two to three hours a day. Have an honest conversation with yourself. Am I the type of person that's going to be disciplined enough to do it? If the answer is no, cross it off your list because if you're not going to do it, it's not going to work. And I've actually seen more people have really bad results. Because they kind of hang on to the fact that they're going to do prospecting for a long period of time. I've, I've seen people hang on to like the fact that they're going to do prospecting for two, three, four, five years. And they're still talking about the prospecting that they're going to do someday. And then during that time, they could have been going to auctions. They could have been building agent relationships. They could be doing other things. So just keep that in mind. If you say, hey, I'm going to door knock, I'm going to cold call, I'm going to cold text, whatever the prospecting method is, like be prepared to do it every day. And if you can't get yourself to do it every day, be like, hey, I just can't do it. So in, in terms of the benefits we already talked about, you can get very, very detailed. You can run a list. You can say, hey, I'm only going to target this type of property with this much equity. Um, and you can do it on a consistent basis and you're fully in control. So there's a huge positives to it. But the big negative that I already hit on is just the fact that it's hard. It's going to be the hardest out of all the things that we talked about. And it's going to be the one where some people just can't get themselves to do it. So getting great deals from your sphere of influence in general is something that I believe that each and every agent should be doing. If you're already talking to friends and family, and you're working your SOI and you're building your database each and every day, there is no doubt that everybody in your database should know that you're also an investor. It's interesting because I had an event two weeks ago and I asked a room full of 50 people, I said, Hey, how many people in this room of 50 have already told their sphere of influence that they're an investor? And one person raised their hand. The second person, Half raised their hand. So 48 and a half people haven't even thought about telling their sphere of influence that they're an investor, that they buy properties, which is hurting them in two categories. Category number one is if you are an investor and your clients know that you're an investor, you have an opportunity to help your clients invest. So if you're any of your clients, you know, if you have a database of 100, 200, 300 people. If you can convert any of them into buy and hold investors, into flippers, you're going to automatically generate more transactions year to year. There are agents who have their entire practice built on the fact that they help investors make money, right? So that's number one reason. Number two reason is you want to make sure that everybody in your sphere of influence knows that you're consistently out there looking for deals. And it's interesting because We get, we go on about 100 face to face seller appointments a week off market to buy their houses for flipping. Every one of those appointments goes like this Yeah, I'm thinking about meeting with my friend who's an agent after you, but I want to know what you can offer first. So out of all of those 100 appointments a week, each and every one, they do not think that their agent, their friend, their cousin, their College roommate has the ability to produce a cash offer, which means we are taking that deal from an agent who, if they had the ability to give a cash offer, could have made that same offer. And that client would have rather gotten that offer from their friend. Now, why do they call us first? Well, they call us first because they want to see what a cash, no contingency, no agent fee no brokerage fee looks like they know when they call their agent their friend it's going to be four or five or six percent but they want to see what we will pay before that so in terms of like working your soi the huge benefit is that it shouldn't take you much more time than it's already taking you right so are you using your social media to tell your friends and your family that you're an investor are you weaving that into your emails or into your mailers or into your day-to-day conversations? The other huge benefit for agents is that it's going to increase the business that you do anyways. Like it's going to make the, your SOI invest more, right? Because if you're investing, people in your SOI are going to say, oh, I wonder why Tom is investing. Maybe I should think about investing or I've thought about investing. I didn't even know Tom could help me. So you're going to get more retail deals, but then you're also going to get you know, more um, investment deals as well. And you're going to get investment deals that you wouldn't have even gotten referred. You might be thinking, well, I don't have the money or I don't have the construction expertise to make a cash offer. That's patently false. If you're working directly with us, we will not only make the offer and split the profits with you, we will also go on the appointment with you. Powerful stuff. There is nobody who's listening to this right now who doesn't have the ability to make a cash offer because we will make it for you. We will actually calculate the offer. We will go on the appointment, we'll make the offer, and if we get the deal, we'll split the profits with you 50/50. What are the negatives of SOI marketing to get off-market deals? SOI marketing for agents to get off-market deals to me is a no-brainer. But the biggest negative and it is a real negative is there there is only going to be um, so many deals that you can get on a week to on a month to month basis, right? There's only going to be so many that your SOI will produce, um, unless you're taking a very passive approach to investing, with, which some people might be doing. If you're taking a very passive approach to investing, which is totally fine, you're not going to produce ten or fifteen or twenty great deals per year from your SOI. It's usually SOI plus one of the other methods. So, again, guys, we talked about auctions. We talked about agent relationships. We talked about prospecting. We talked about working your SOI. I did want to say one other thing about this, though, which is that you need to have measurable results every week. So, a lot of times I will ask somebody, they'll tell me what they're doing or how they're going to get deals, and then I'll ask them for what their scorecard is. And a lot of people don't have one, they don't know. How many calls are supposed to make? How many agents are supposed to talk to you? If you do not know the answer to that question, it's going to be almost impossible for you to have a lot of success because you'll just be guessing. So, if you want to take you know, some of the guesswork out of the stuff, I would recommend, if you haven't done so already, if you're not in the inner circle, to register for a call at www.agentinvestorinnercircle.com. If you don't have a really good plan, on what you should be doing each and every week. It's gonna be hard for you to have success. So what I do for people that are not yet in the inner circle but maybe considering it and and maybe wanna have a little bit more of a one-on-one conversation with me is jump on one of these calls at www.agentinvestorinnercircle.com and I'll talk to you directly about like where you're specifically at with re- your real estate investing, where you wanna be three to five years into the future And then come up with a plan on the call on how to get there with like a day-to-day breakdown of exactly what you should be doing and what your scorecard should look like. So again, if you're interested, the call is completely free, www.agentinvestorinnercircle.com. When you jump on one of those calls with me, I'm going to spend 95% of the time talking about like how I can help you like directly on that call. It's basically a free consulting session where I go into your individual um, specifics and make some recommendations, and then I'm going to talk for two minutes on the benefits of joining the inner circle, and you know, leave it open to you if you're you know open to considering that. It's definitely not a sales pitch uh, in terms of the call. It's 99% content. Then I'm going to talk a little bit about joining the inner circle if you're interested. But you can do that for free at www.agentinvestorinnercircle.com. So I've got a few slots left. If you are like serious about jumping on a call, I would recommend booking that right now at www.agentinvestorinnercircle.com so that I can help you out. And I will bring it back, you know, to the chat to see if anybody has anything else. But I think more than anything else, like if you're going to be an investor, you need to be consistently getting off-market deals. There are a lot of details that go behind all of these strategies. Today was just meant to kind of be a high-level overview so that you guys could get you know, a good understanding of what they might look like, what the pros are, what the cons are. But the best thing to do if you're not 100% sure what to do next is to jump on that call at www.agentinvestorinnercircle.com. If there is any other thing that I can do for anyone in the meantime, you all know how to reach me. But the best thing to do is to go to www.agentinvestorinnercircle.com. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll be back again next Tuesday at 11 o'clock. And I will talk to you all soon. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks again for listening to the Agent Investor Podcast. And especially thank you for sharing the show with other agents and reviewing the show on iTunes. Every time you share the show and leave a review, you are potentially changing someone's life. To get free weekly education strategies and to connect with other agent investors across the country, join our free Facebook group at AgentInvestor.com. Again, that's AgentInvestor.com.